I want to take a long walk with Jesus Let him shine his light on me I want to take a long, long walk with Jesus Let him shine his loving light on me For more than 50 years, Pete Wilcox has been singing the songs of Elvis Presley. But Pete Wilcox is singing a different tune now. He's singing the praises of Jesus. On our all-new formatted show, Having Coffee with the King. Hello, everyone. I'm your co-host, Angelo DiCipio, Psychic Angelo, if you will. And now the star of our show, Jesus Christ. That's I'm so glad you said that. I was afraid after that barking harangue you were going to come out. The star, no, the star of our show is Jesus Christ. Absolutely. I'd say, may God bless him, but he already has, you know. I was going to say, if you're walking with God and he sneezes, what do you say to him? <laughs> bless you. <laughs> you know, I say, nice one. <laughs> yeah. How are you, Pete? Well, I'm very good. Thank you very much. I, I am very blessed. I'm very happy. Uh, I went back and was listening to some of our um, broadcasts, I guess you can call them, or podcasts, and I was very happy with our playfulness and the fact that we have maybe even done more than we set out to do, and that we've established a delightful relationship uh, between the three of us. How do you like that? Beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe the four of us, you, me, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. And, uh, I, Always I, present. Yes, we're doing very well, I believe, and I'm very, very flattered and honored that you bring the ball back to me as, as nicely as you do. Because we kind of go off, and you know, and you kind of said, "Well, Pete, this is kind of your baby. You kind of thought of this one, so I will be delighted to help you and walk you through this." And then you said, "You know what? I, I think I'm, I'll walk you through this and with you, and that's even better." Right? I said, well, Pete, do I've been doing this a long time producing television radio podcasts um i've been at this a long time so you know the the whole idea is to get people involved informed give them a laugh or two but then always bring it back to the core issue that you're talking about and that's what i think we do really well here um because you and i let's be honest about it pete we like to talk and we can go on and talk <laughs> a lot. Amen. Uh, and God knows I can and often do. <laughs> I'm just noticing so, a picture behind you. You stuck one up there with a clean face. Yeah, well, and it what it says, it's funny. It says exactly what I just orated there uh, to, the pe- to the people around the world uh, listening to this show. And by the way, our numbers are looking Absolutely beautiful. Great. We did the last the last show that we did with Kevin Schopel. The numbers from that show came in. We did three hundred and seventeen thousand listens. No. Yes, sir. Oh, how wonderful! That's why I tell people, don't worry about YouTube. With YouTube is a giveaway. If you really want to hear what we talk about. Go to our radio station on podbean.com and hear us all over the world. We're on 266. I want to say that again. We're on 266 radio stations around the world. Wow, that's and so you can exciting. find us anywhere. Anywhere. Well, Just type in, go, go to your Google machine and type in Pete Wilcox having coffee with the king. I assure you, ladies and gentlemen, we will show up somewhere that's, and probably so everywhere. It's so delightful. It truly is. And it's, it's an honor, as it has been an honor through the years, to, to sing and perform. And people come in and they, they enjoy what you're doing. But this is, this is really the special honor to think that we in some way can carry a banner for Jesus and say, by the way, my friends and I would like to remind you about this. And again... One of the the key thing, one of the key things in my heart is to try to catch that questioning 
individual on the fence. He said, well, I, I know there's a God, but I'm, I, I just, I, we got it. Said, Don't worry. Hey, yeah. let me just tell you a few of our stories, what we've been up to, what we're doing, and maybe Good. we can pull you down on our side of the fence. Absolutely. And that's yeah. the whole idea behind it is to bring people to this side. Yes, it is. And for those of you that are already on the side with us, thank you so much. What would be Absolutely. wonderful if it, if it should touch your heart in such a way would be to share our broadcast with your friends. They, in fact, would, could share it with their friends. And you, you know you've got a friend out there, some, maybe somebody that worked and really sweet, and they, well, he says, you know, that, that, uh, that works for you. I'm sorry. I just don't. Well, maybe they would get a kick out of some of our stories and how we were brought in and how we continue to dedicate our time and life to the energy of talking about Jesus, talking about Absolutely. Jesus. And that's one of the things, you know me, I'm, I'm, I love this concept of renewing the mind. Anything you do with Jesus in your mind, as you talk, think, walk, anything, you're renewing your mind. As long as you keep putting him in, you're shoving something of the world out. And that's a good thing. Absolutely. You are what you said you are what you think about. You are what you talk about, and and that's why we're really really happy. I mean, and you won't catch too much self righteousness out of Angelo and I. We're not interested in that at all. We just, we, I. It's, it's almost like we're talking about our best friend, and we are. We're talking mm -hmm. about our best friend, and we don't have to quote scripture and sound like Reverend Angelo and Brother Pete. All no 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 no. We're not trying to do that. I mean that. Maybe that is who we are, actually, but we're not trying to sound like that. We're not trying to yeah. come off like that. We're trying to come off as we're your, we're your brother and sister in life. We're walking through this journey, and I got sidetracked. My God, I got sidetracked. I mean, I think about it as like I, I'm going to do maybe a homework piece on this and bring it to you. Going back to when how little you, how young, oh, this is a good one. Let's do this. It'll be fun. What's your earliest and youngest memory of a connection with with Jesus and and your your walk with God? What's your earliest recollection? Six years old. Okay. What happened? Tell us. The moment I discovered I was psychic. Ooh. Okay. And and it tell, was an well, elaborate absolute, a little bit. Go ahead. An absolute connection to the spirit world, and growing up Catholic. Spirit to us was always God. Okay. I mean, I, so I want the, more. I want, what were you doing? What were you thinking? How did it come? Well, it was, uh, at six, I wasn't doing much, but getting in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Good for you. That's you know, what you're supposed to be doing. Um, it was the moment, the, literally the moment I discovered I was psychic. You know, talking to people uh, who had long passed away. Uh, who were no longer here on the physical realm, but were in some other realm, some other ethereal realm or heavenly realm, whatever term you wish to choose to, to use in that regard. Um, I now choose the heavenly realm rather than ethereal. Um, if you understand the spirit world as I do, understand this, and it's very, very simple to, to comprehend Anything outside the physical is spirit. It, that's how simple it is. Everything outside the physical is spiritual. Because there is only physical and spirit. That's it. Nothing else exists. Were you, were you playing mumbly peg? Were you st stealing marbles from your neighbor? I mean, No, I was uh, telling my parents that I was talking to these people. And they said, tell us more. Described them, and I described people that they knew uh, by the mannerisms, by the clothing they wore, by the things that were said. And, you know, you can only get that from some other level. Yes. And I because children, and understand this too, children, I think, are innately spiritual. I think children have a a much more direct contact with God than adults do for this very reason. They've not yet been jaded. They're still pure. Yes. They're still innocent. 
they still have an open mind to such things. And in many ways, the psychic as myself, we don't grow up in that regard. We, of course, we grow up physically, we mature mentally, of course, but there's always that little child inside that keeps you connected because of that innocence. If you understand, I remember reading something about a young, young person, I'm going to say under seven, and he was wanted to talk to a younger person maybe two or three, and his reason was because he was still connected. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I said, yeah. wow, that's really intriguing, and it, it kind of ties in with what you're saying. They, they, sure. The world and uh, its agenda hasn't had a chance to come between, and maybe in some way you're kind of hardwired to where the world didn't break that connection for you, which is a delightful gift. Sure. Well, Pete, along that line, Pete, let me remind you of what Scripture says about that. Jesus himself said, suffer not the little children to come unto me. Jesus wants the children to come to him. Sure. To commune with him, to talk to him. Tell me what's on your mind. That's how simple Scripture is really is. I got to tell you. As convoluted and as complex as it appears, I assure you, it's really simple stuff when you read it, because it speaks to the basics in all of us. You can take a really complex book like Romans or Corinthians, and they're pretty complex letters that Paul wrote, okay? Really deep stuff. But when you sit down through spirit eyes, through Jesus eyes, I call it, then that that somehow becomes much more simpler. It becomes much more every day, those letters. And they well, become I, relatable. I was going to say also, I think, and that's why I want to get back to, um, there's a couple of different translations, Amplified Bible being one. If you can just lovingly take some of those D's and nows out of it, Billy Graham was talking about that. He said, this book has been translated uh, into a rather poetic form of these and thous, and that's not the way Jesus spoke. He spoke yeah. the colloquial uh, speech of the day, probably Aramaic. He didn't speak Greek, but you know what I mean? But it was yeah. written in the Greek, which is also a very poetic language, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, my God. Yeah, sure it is. But uh, um, King James, you're right. Sometimes I can get tripped up in Paul and say, dear God, what was that last paragraph I read just yeah. about? And uh, that's why it's good to have you others. Know, that's share. a really good place, Pete. You know, it's, the way you segued into that was a really good place for me to put a little plug in right now. And I have no connection to these people. I want to make, make it very clear. There's an, an app I use on my telephone. It's called Bible Gateway. It has over 70 Bible translations in it. Oh, wow. Okay. From, yeah. from the King James to the Aramaic versions to the New King James, the New American Standard, the Amplified Bible. It's got it all. It's called Bible Gateway. And it is literally the go-to. You can have your Bible with you everywhere you go. Yes. On your phone right there. That's wonderful, isn't it? It really is. And I have, again, I have no association with these people. Um, I don't have any financial or vested interest. It's an app that I use. It is is my go-to. When Listen, someone by the wants way, to I found myself the last couple of days... Uh, just asking Sari, Sari, give me some healing scriptures. Bang, 32 healing scriptures right now. And they're so wonderful. I'm going to go through them. There's sure. also another thing that I want to do, and of course I know you're very aware. I don't, very hard for me to pull something up that you're not onto. But um, one of the most beautiful and important uh, phrases that Paul uses in epistles is in him. 
In him we have this. In him we are that. And uh, it wouldn't hurt us um, to grab a a, a session or two and get some of those in hymns. Uh, A wonderful uh, preacher friend of mine, I think, there's some books on that, and I'm going to buy them because he's done the work. And uh, although looking them up and writing them out is not a bad thing to do, that will help infuse it into your spirit and your mind. But to have them there, and remember, all these things that Paul says we have in him, we have in him because he came to us and said to us, we didn't, we weren't prepared to grasp it. I got a sneeze coming. Wait a minute. Excuse me. Bless you. Thank you. In him, I'll take that. But we are infused in him because I will give my life for you so that you will understand that the biggest fear you have in life is death. I will give myself in the most horrific manner and come back to you so you will know that in me and trusting in me, you have all these other gifts. And uh, it's wonderful to remind yourself, I say, because sometimes, oh, you feel that kind of wait a minute, man. I understand you're depressed about a moment or an event. But if you will stop that for a second, take a deep breath, have coffee with the king, you will be reminded know. of all the wonderful blessings you have. And that thing that although it could even really be the sad loss of a dear friend or a loved one, you're okay. And it's okay to grieve for a moment. It said that Jesus grieved over Lazarus. He loved Lazarus. Absolutely. But then he also rejoice anew. But this is for, this has happened so that my father can be glorified. And he called him back. But um, it's, it's okay to grieve for a season. And that could be a week or a month. But remember, you know, they are in the place we wish we were. That's home. We're visiting here. So when we do go back, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be glorious. Going to be glorious. Oh, well, I, I'll tell what you I what I wanted to say was I was trying to figure, okay. I'm getting ready to pass a collection plate right now after that one. <laughs> well, the other thing I was going to say, it was like we were talking about first recollections, because I, I come times when I'm lying in bed thinking about this, I'll think about where I began and how I got off track. And I, I want to write a little something about that. And not not now, but it's, it's coming. I, I guess one of the things I got going. But the first thing I remember is my mom sitting on the bed, and it was, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. God bless mommy, daddy, Peter, and everybody. And then once we got some kittens, I, I had to name all the cats, too. You know, I got they got in on it. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and then slowly but surely, the Bible stories, we'd see them once in a while on Sunday afternoon. I'd come home. And they'd be on TV. Lamp Unto My Feet was one. That was the name of one of the shows. Oh, sure. And, yeah, and they would have Sunday shows. I remember. I, you know what's funny? I was terrible. I was such a kid. I'd go to church and, and, you know, I'd pray for everything. But I also prayed one of my favorite movies would be on that afternoon. <laughs> I loved The Last of the Mohegans. And what was the, the other one was uh, Man in the Iron Mask with Lewis Hayward. Oh, my oh, goodness. God. The original, wow! Yeah, I love those old black and white movies. You know what I mean? They were. I do too. Yeah, I really do. I love. I love the old B and Ws. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and then again, okay. And then I would go to the community center, and lovely woman, she gave herself to the kids in the neighborhood, and she'd go. She we'd find books, and I'll say once a month we'd I'd go. I think it was one or two days a week after school at the community center. At least once a month, I would bring home a Bible story book, and Mom was very kind. We'd pick my dad up at the station, and she would read to me at the station. Mm-hmm. And I was old enough to read, but there was a, a delight, and oh my God, how I remember the delight in hearing her voice as she would read the stories to me. And I was always so magically enchanted by the stories of Jesus and his kindness and that he would heal, and 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 then... You know, the the dreadful price that he had to pay, and yet he was so so lovingly willing to do it if that was the father's decision. As you know, in Garden of Gethsemane, whatever you say, Dad, I'll, I, I, I don't want to do this. But if that's what you want, if that's what we need to do to yeah. steal a steal, 
then I'm here. You can count on me. And there, there he was. And he, ugh. but at any rate, I sometimes wonder what pulled us away. Uh, what it, it, it's, a, it's a part, uh, as we know, we are assaulted through the eyes and the ears, especially what we see, sure. TV, what we see in movies, what we see in magazines, what we hear, what we hear our friends talking about, or the big people, the adults sure. they're talking about in the other room, you know? Well, I'll and, tell you what, it's a loaded question, Pete, you know, and uh, in some ways it's a real simple question to answer. What pulls us away? Uh, in large part, our um, arrogance, uh, our need for what other people have. Um, everybody wants what the next guy has. And that will take your eyes off the prize. Um, understanding that it requires a lot of strength to maintain your individuality with the Lord. Everybody can be a follower, but few people can lead. You know? And being steadfast to Jesus and to God himself more moreover god himself is it requires some discipline it means that okay so i may one day i may have the big house on the hill but right now i'll settle for this little house because it's a roof over my head and maybe one day i'll have that cadillac coupe de ville but right now it's my uh 1972 pinto or my 68 Volkswagen. Right. And, and, uh, but, but you said something was kind of interesting. Takes a lot of discipline, uh, to resist again, these arrogances and these greed and I want his toy and, and I wish I had that. Um, that's, that's Satan whispering in your ear. Of right? course it is. You got your mom and dad teaching you, Angel, that's a good boy. Come here, sit, sit with daddy. We'll watch TV here. Sit next to me, sweetheart. Uh, and it's the devil that will whisper in your ear, why don't you go get this? Why don't you go get that? Yeah. And I guess he finds out how some are not susceptible. Some, you remember, some kids were always like they were goody-goodies, we used to call them. They, they, they didn't seem yeah. to, they didn't get taken that much. Where maybe the sure. kid, I won't say more imagination. I don't want to say... Uh, but for those that did kind of respond to mischief, I think now is when a parent really is tested. Oh, no, no, Angie, come on, sweetie, don't do that. That's his toy. That's, give it back to him. That's it. No, because I remember I used this. My next door neighbor's name was Tuffy, Tuffy Shinnick. And he always had better toys than me. And I was always talking him out of him. Oh, man, it's a great truck. Can I have this, Tuffy? He said, sure. And, you know, he get a real sweet kid. And mom had to always say, where'd you get that truck? Tuffy gave it to me. No, no, come on, let's take it back and we'll give it back to Tuffy. And it's like, you need that parent that God raised them up right and they will stay yeah. in the way of the Lord. You know what I mean? Here we go, Psalms and Proverbs again. And it's like it, the parent is really challenging because the more you do that, well, pretty soon I stop trying to talk Tuffy, Tuffy out of yeah. the truck. And, and Angelo stops running down the street. I was a real naughty kid. I want to play with the kids down the bridge. I grew up in an Italian neighborhood, and right down at the corner, there must have been, you know, 20 kids, and they were always playing on bikes and cars. Oh, and yeah. Football and all, and I, I live with this uh, waspy uh, family down the street and kind of reserved, and my dad was afraid that I would fall into lackadaisical sort of pattern because those kids a lot of them they stayed at the bridge some are still at the bridge you know what i mean i hear you <laughs> some went on to do great things uh but some of them didn't they, and he was afraid he didn't want me down there so sure. i would have to stay at home well <clears throat> i'd run off and so what this is really great well it's funny at one point my mom had to go to <clears throat> excuse me i think it was a tent maker or something but he had, he said, I'll help you with this. And he, and he put a belt around me and then he put a strap over my shoulders. And said, I bet you can't get out of that. Oh yeah, I can. Mm, okay. Make an, add another strap. Bet you can't get out of that. Of course I can. And I bet you can't get out of that. I said, no, I can't. So then he put a, a loop there yeah. and another strap that mom held and a lock click. And then he gave her two keys. He says, don't ever. 
be without this key. Oh, and then he gave her a small pocket knife. Yeah. In case you ever have to cut the strap and get this boy loose, it's right here. Yeah. But I remember, and I'll tell you what really did it. We were driving. We're down at the beach, uh, Long Island Sound in Greenwich, Connecticut, called Todd's Point. But we used to drive around the beach sometimes to get to go pick up my dad an hour early. We drive around the beach; it's beautiful. And as we're driving, I slid along the seat. It was a bench seat, you know, the front seat. Slid along sure. the seat. I was going out the door. The door opened. Oh then yeah. The got the window was open, and as I went out, I grabbed the ledge of the window. And she said, hang on, baby, hang on. She slowly came to a stop and came back, and then we locked the door. And that's what made her get that the the harness, among other things. And we yeah. had a strap in the car, so I would always be locked well, in. Well, I got to tell you something. You're going to think I'm making this up? Yeah. That happened to me. Which one? With the door open oh, while yeah? my parents were on a turn, making a turn. Right. The door, it wasn't shut all the way it flew open and that was back in the day when they didn't have seat belts in the cars right sure people don't understand that you that, didn't I, have seat fact, belts. I, I, always, I feel like this tent guy invented a seat belt i know right <laughs> yeah well this is you're gonna love this we had a back porch it, 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 it was a great old house one day i'll i'll have to bring up and show you but we had a back porch and then underneath it was like a it was still ground. My dad wound up putting flagstones down, making a lovely patio down there. But in the beginning, it was just dirt. But I used to play under the porch with my toys. Yeah. And we had a strap long enough to get me down to, you know, the playing area. And then I could get back up right to the door, you know, to, and knock on the door if I wanted anything. I had to go to the bathroom or something. And mom said, she said she nearly started crying. Uh, I came and knocked on the door and she opened it up. And I'm on the back porch with the, the strap on. And I said to her... Who's going to feed me? I thought I had to live under the back porch. I had just turned into the family troll. I said, oh, my God. She, she said, oh, baby, don't. You know, no, no, no. This is just. And then, uh, you know, uh, once once they knew that I wouldn't run away. And we also, we lived on a river. My backyard. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. All right. One of, one of the, uh, if you had like a, like a shoebox top, you live on a shoebox. One of the long edges of the shoebox on our property was a river, which wound up being an absolutely beautiful place to grow up. Yeah. But you got to keep an eye on that kid. You know what I mean? You don't want him to drown in a river. So it was almost a, one of the first things you learn to do is swim. You know, can I, as I remember that wonderful little movie, John Wayne and Hondo, and the kid says, so I can't swim. He goes, what? He grabbed the kid and throws him in. And he yeah. says, no. One hand in front of you, I keep grabbing, and the kid swims across the river. Brother, that's that's how a lot of kids learn to swim. Yeah. And that's how you learn to swim with Jesus. Yeah. You know? One hand you, hand you can another. put your, your little toe in the water and test the waters out, yeah. or you could just jump in with both feet and get wet and see what right. happens. Yeah. It's interesting. You're talking about the term in him. As you're talking, Lord spoke to my head real quick, and he gave me this little ditty. Through him, in him, with him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours, Almighty Father, forever and ever. And that comes um, by way of word, the words of Jesus. It also comes by way of a very staunch Catholic upbringing. Almost always a priest will say that before communion is given. And it's interesting that they choose before communion to give that, that little prayer, that dissertation. Because when you accept communion, you're accepting the symbolic Christ into your body. Yes. I often wondered about that, Pete, and maybe you and I can throw this around a little bit. If that's the case, if that's the case, that communion is the acceptance of Jesus, is it necessary, my young friend, to say, Jesus, come into my heart? 
Well, I think that that's a, a very appropriate thing to ask. That's, I mean, he's Jesus come into my heart. What that suggests um, the new believer or somebody who's questioning, not knowing what to do, what we would do as we were sharing the word with him and and trying to ask him to be born again. We would tell him, "You'll be born again. You will invite Jesus into your heart, into your life, into your mind." so that he guides your footsteps than allowing the world to guide your footsteps. So it's yeah. extremely, it's a very appropriate thing to ask him to be in there. But there's, you, you brought up one of my favorite, favorite topics, and that is communion. And um, uh, that means a lot of things to a lot of people. But for yes, my wife and I did it this morning, and we're trying to get back on path. We usually do it once a week, no matter what. But I like, grape juice. I like to do it every day. We have a cracker and, and and a little bit of grape juice, and we celebrate, as he said, you know, we, we say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you today to be grateful and thank you. For me right now, uh, I'm fighting my battle with this diagnosis I've been given, which we can ring everybody's bell again on that, but I have... Uh, I've given my life for you. You know, take this in remembrance of me. Do this yeah. as often as you will in remembrance of me. Pete, and can I, I share a story with you? Come on. This happened in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Um, and you're familiar with Gatlinburg. Uh, you're very well, in fact. Uh, so you know Gatlinburg. There was a um, a religious retreat that I attended at the uh, Gatlinburg um, Auditorium. That's big, a very large building. Right. And uh, it was called the Holston Conference of the uh, Methodist Church, of which I was a member at the time. I saw 5,000 people take communion with grape juice and loaves of baked Italian bread. They had, I don't know how they did it to this day. I don't know how they did it. They had 500 loaves of bread and gave communion to over 5,000 in that building and enough grape juice that was left over to feed, not to feed, but to give communion the next day to another full house. I thought about that a lot. In fact, I brought music CDs from that event from a, a fabulous group called Starfield. Amazing guys, young guys who gave their life to Jesus. They had a career in rock and roll, a lot like Pete Wilcox did. They were making money hand over fist with records. They had big, big uh, studio contracts. And they gave it all up to do rock and roll for Jesus. It's great music. But I thought about that communion that day often since that time. And I just thought to myself, I wonder like how they actually pulled that off. Or was there some divine interference or intervention that stretched that 500 loaves to feed 5,000 people? Right. Well, I mean, there's been all kinds of theories about that. Some don't want to accept it as. Um, in a way, in a way, it doesn't matter. Then I've heard the very, the rational people say, well, in those days, talking now about the 5,000 fish or 5,000 mm -hmm. fish, people came on a journey. When they went someplace, they brought their own lunch. Yeah. And because it was Jesus and because he was blessing the people and teaching them about sharing and giving and loving, that they all opened their lunch for each other. That would be a miracle of behavior. <laughs> well, Not, yeah, it would be a miracle no matter how you looked at it. Absolutely. Right, and I, I mean, I don't think, uh, I really don't know he could if he wanted. I mean, the guys the guys are fishing. They couldn't catch anything, and Jesus kind of winked at Peter and said, try to get a side. And Peter said, come on, try to get a side. He didn't, and, and he was breaking the nets. Mm -hmm. They were, what, all the fish are hiding on the other side? Or Jesus said, hey, fish, get over here. My boys are going to take you home. Come on. It, it doesn't matter. The point is, it happened and the yeah. same thing with you guys. Every That could have been, if they had uh, 500 loaves, that's 10 people eating off one loaf, that's 5,000. Yeah. So the math on that works. Same thing, but the grape juice, that's a different thing, unless everybody's got a grape soda in their pocket, 
You know yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind hearing the story on that one. But yeah, for real. Point, I will just lovingly say all things are possible with God. I don't know how Absolutely. he does anything, nor do I care. I'm just glad that he does and glad he includes me in the doing. Well, I looked at it, and the reason I brought it up is I looked, I've always looked at that event because I was at that event that whole weekend. That was a three day event, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the Holston Conference uh, of the Methodist Church in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And, uh, and I was there for that entire weekend. And I have to tell you, I look at that event even now as a modern day loaves and fish story. Sure. It, it, it really good. was the most incredible display of pure human love I've seen in one place from a complete and utter strangers. There were yeah. people who knew each other, of course, but there were 5,000 people who didn't know anybody. Right. You know, of course, you know, I came with a group of six people. Okay. There were groups of 20, but we didn't know that group of 20 and they didn't know the group of six. Right. So we were strangers, but there was a lot of that in that building. A remarkable time, and I think about that experience a lot. Um, and in many ways, it's, uh, it kind of planted the seed, if you will, for, uh, for what we're doing in a lot of ways. I'll be honest with you, planted the seed for what I'm doing, for sure. Because um, I've, you know, I've been going through some changes, uh, you know, um, spiritually. Physically, for sure. Went to the doctor today, Pete, and I got yelled at. Because my sugar is through the roof, brother. It's at 8.3 A1C level. And that's, like, outrageous. Are you being but naughty? Are you eating? I'm eating junk like crazy. Well, that's part of, that's part of it. Yeah. Well, the doctor says today, you no longer today is going to eat that crap. You're going to eat celery, cucumbers, carrots. You're going to stay away from the candy, the pasta, the bread. I said, Doc, you know I'm Italian, right? I know. My wife has the same problem. Yeah. But when you get an 8.3 A1C level, you start to, like, reconsider stuff. You know? Yes, I do. Oh, wow. Peter, I want to show you something. I'm going to let you into my home here for a minute. I want you to just stay where you are because I'm going to show you something. My wife just brought something out here. You have to see this. For your sake, I hope it's not pasta. Right? Yeah, right? Okay, okay. What am I looking at? Okay. Come here, honey. I'm going to show you something. Yeah, I'm going to show you. I'm going to take my camera and show you my wife. Hi, Pete. How are you? Hi, sweetheart. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good. Scene that my wife put together with one bead at a time. There's oh my goodness! Literally thousands. There's probably ten thousand beads or more. That's stunning. And that is a nativity that's going to go up on the wall. No, that's this is going oh, to mom and pop. Oh, that's for my parents. Yes, this is for your parents. Oh wow. I almost want to keep that. I know. <laughs> but the, that's, I know. Did you do that, sweetheart, or did you find it? I what it is is it's a kit and you buy the um it's a mat and then they send you all the beads and they send you like it's called diamond bead art. And then you have to separate all your colors. I put them in like little containers. Right. Like I guess this one was 63 colors. And then you follow a key code and right. put all in. It's absolutely beautiful. Thank you. It truly is. I, that I did. Yeah, you yeah. want that up in the wall where you can see it. You know what I mean? Here we go. Here we go. Look how you know how I'm. But there we go. That's renewing the mind. Every time you look at that, it renews the story. It just it's. But it's absolutely what's beautiful to share. I I can't tonight, but I will. Uh, I have a nativity scene in my toy room. 
Uh, we have a two-bedroom little bitty place. In one of the rooms, I have my musical equipment and my memorabilia. One of the pieces I have is a memorabilia. When I was a boy, I was the babysitters were the nuns down at the end of the street. There was a, um, a nunnery. And my first Christmas, they gave me a manger scene, and it's cutouts, and you and you stick it up on a pla on, on a piece ah. of, you know what I mean? And I still have it, and it's old world Renaissance beautiful artwork characters. Wow. One of the oh, most that's a treasure, you know. Oh, it's it's so special, and I have it up and setting up, and it's it stays up. I love it. So having that in your house will do you no harm. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? It is. If you want to take down my picture and put that up, it's okay. I, in my <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Yeah, it's a little peek inside the in, inside my home. Yeah, that's lovely. I I appreciate that. We should do that one day. We'll take these things, walk around, and show each other what's going on. Oh yeah, it looks it looks like Santa Claus threw up around here. <laughs> but my, me, it looks like there's an eight year old kid living in our house, and we don't know where he is. When you see. I've got cowboys and Indians and castles and cap guns yeah. and memorabilia baseball gloves. I tell you, I have I have a baseball glove, the personal model of an autographed Mickey, Willie, the Duke, and Joe DiMaggio. Wow. Autographed gloves, their personal model. They didn't use it, but it was, you know, manufactured their model, but they signed them. Duke That's Snyder? Yep, Duke's, yeah. Nope. Kidding. Oh, listen, I you're gonna love this. Uh he well, I know a wrestler that would that would give you his life savings for Duke Snyder. Wow. You'll have to put me in touch with him because I'm, I'm he was my first hero outside my dad, you know, because he was the first guy, you know, okay, dad. Then my first hero after that, we sat in front of the TV and he introduced me to Joe DiMaggio on the Yankees. Yeah. But as you know, Mickey replaced him. And Mickey was okay, but I, I, I didn't get the bug. And my, then I got a next door neighbor yeah. who's three years older, and he loved the Brooklyn Dodgers. And he Brother, broke. I, I got to tell you something. I met Joe DiMaggio. Oh, really? I did. I met him in 1986 in Atlantic City uh, at the greatest sports legends banquet. Okay. And he was absolutely remarkable. I met Joe DiMaggio that night, Muhammad Ali, Bruno Sammartino, Joe Fraser, and a poet named Rod McEwen. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That was a good all night. In one night. Well, they were yeah, all that's there. A good one. That's a good one. Yeah, they were amazing. And the entertainer that night was Jerry Vale. Oh, my God. I love Jerry Vale. Pretend you don't see her, my heart. There yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love Jerry My Vail. favorite Jerry Vale song is called Aldila. Aldila, la da da da. Yep. I love that song. Oh, sure. Um, was... I'll tell you what. Let's, so let's bring it back to. Um, Wait a minute. Duke, I don't know if I can come out of Duke Snyder. I got Duke Snyder stories for you. I got. Oh, say... go ahead. Yeah, sure. Okay. First time I met Duke. Was a baseball signing, baseball card thing. Okay, Mickey, uh, Willie Mays, and Duke Snyder sitting at a table, and Mickey, Willie, and the Duke—they were, they were, they were my blood till I found rock and roll. Anyway, yeah. so they're sitting there, and uh, ten dollars, they signed a ball. So I signed, you know, and what the the um, procedure was: you roll the ball to Willie, he'll sign it, he rolls it back. Then same thing with Duke. Okay, I roll the ball to Willie. Willie doesn't even look up. Cat gets the ball, signs it, rolls it back. And I'm saying, wait a minute. I'm not paying 10 bucks, and this guy is signing the ball, and we don't exchange eye, eye contact. Right. So I, said, so I said to him, let me tell you something, buddy. We had a lot of battles in my house over you. <laughs> he goes, he says, really? What's that all about? I said, well, my mom was a giant fan, and you were the thing. And he looked at me and said, but let me tell you, he was my thing, and I pointed at Duke, and Duke went hysterical, and so did Willie, and I said to Duke, Duke, can I ask you a favor? He says, what's that? I said, can I have a hug? And he says, absolutely, and he gets up. I wish they'd snap that picture, because I have two or three pictures. <laughs> I'm going to have to show you of me and Duke Snyder together, because I went back more than once to see him. He autographed yeah. magazines. I have at least 10 baseballs signed by Duke Snyder. I got oh, one my God. Says, yeah, the Silver Fox. 
Duke Donald Edwin Snyder. I have one Merry Christmas from Duke Snyder. But the best one was a picture of my arm around him. And, and uh, the Duke Snyder story, the book came out. He talks about yeah. his whole life. He talks about how in the, he wasn't getting put in the Hall of Fame. Ah. Really upset about that. And he yeah, was a yeah. born-again Christian. And his pastor said, Duke, let it go. It's going to be okay. And yeah, he said yeah. he did. And that year, he got inducted. It was the 80. I think it was 1980. And yeah, uh, yeah. it was a little late because Duke, Duke was quite the guy in the 50s. You know, he should oh, have been in sooner than that. Um, we're going to go to another one. This is over. We're going to talk about Gil Hodges because this is a big deal this year about getting him in. But at any yeah. rate, I took this picture, and what I did was I took the cut. Oh, in his book, he talks about I was born again, and I gave my life to Christ. In his book. So I took the book. I cut the cover out, yeah. put the cover. Then I cut that page out and put that in the center. Then mm -hmm. I put the back mat. So as you look at it, you see three panels. Yeah. Brought it to him. He signed to Pete. Yours in Christ, Duke Snyder. Wow, that's remarkable. How wonderful is that? That that is beautiful, isn't it? I'm gonna find that and bring it to the show. I want you to see that one. Oh, I'd love to see that. Yeah, I got. Oh, there's not another one of those in the world. Yeah, I've got a a wrestling friend, but that that was his. This guy was was going to become a professional baseball player. And he got hurt and he had to find something to do. So he went into professional wrestling and he always remembered Duke Snyder and how he, how gracious he was to him. And that was his hero growing up and just amazing. Just, just oh, this crazy, he was a lovely man, crazy for Duke Snyder. Amazing stuff. Yeah. He was well, I'll tell you what, brother. We, you realize, Pete, that we've almost got 50 minutes in tonight? Gee, how surprising. <laughs> <laughs> Smarty. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you what. Um, it is amazing. It really is how, how everything in Christ comes full circle. You know, we veer off talking about one thing after another, and then... You tie it up with a bow, Duke Snyder, my brother in Christ. What you a know? beautiful, isn't that an amazing sentiment? It really is. It really, it's really, really is. I wouldn't, I wouldn't sell that for $100,000. I just yeah. I do it. I mean. I wouldn't you blame know, you. Yeah, you have to know where your treasures are. But also, now I can do one more, and let me let me have some fun with this. Sure. As, as you know, I've been diagnosed with a, a, a cancerous situation that is completely under control. We've. We have the operation scheduled in January, and uh, it's going to be just fine. It's in the kidney, and I have two. So the doctor says, I got this. You're covered. I said, well, I know you do. Um, you have it covered, but I got another physician at the house who uh, is also covering it for me, and he smiled. He knew what I was talking about. But I was lying in bed just kind of reminding myself, reminding of the promises of God that, that he will cover us, that we are healed through him. Mm -hmm. Jesus, by his stripes, were healed. He said, I took Amen. that peanut for you. Don't worry, you're you're good. I got you. Well, I started thinking of scriptures, and I put something together that I want to share with you. Um, Psalms is a biblical uh, term, which means songs. The Psalms, Psalms of David are the songs he wrote for the Lord. Yes. And what I did was, as I was lying there, a line would come to me from a scripture None of these are mine. The only thing that's mine is my application of it. But uh, I have some others that I've written three or four that I would love to share with you. But this is one that I I, I pose to you. It would be a fun thing for you to do. Or our wonderful listeners is you can't for this part of the game, you can't go to the Bible. It's got to come from your memory. Yeah. And and you, because you've got a ton of men there. And you might have to sit there and have a cup of coffee, talk to your wife, do one with your wife. Honey, what do you think of? And the two of you, okay, these are the lines, and I'm, I've called this, my joy is in the Lord. Here we go. My joy is in the Lord. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. If he is for me, who can be against me? 
Although I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, I will fear no evil. My joy is in the Lord. He will never leave me or forsake me. He came to give me life and abundance. If you seek him, you will find him. In him, I have salvation, redemption, forgiveness, and everlasting life. My joy is in the Lord. He has delivered me from evil. He has healed the brokenhearted. He has set the captive free. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. My joy is in the Lord. That's beautiful. I love that. That's beautiful. It's interesting that you quoted some of the the Psalms in there. And uh, one of the things that before we went on the air, see, some of our best conversations take place off air. I know. That's why I said, wait a minute, don't stop talking, turn it on. Yeah, yeah. let's let's start recording. Well, because we were talking about the 23rd Psalm. Yes, it's were. one of my favorites, and I think the favorite of a lot of people, because it really does cover everything. Seems like it. It really, yeah, it really does, Pete. It really covers, it, it's like we said, covers all the bases. You can't go wrong with the 23rd Psalm. Nope. How do you go wrong with that? It's God saying to you, look, I know you thought you were a loser, but you're a winner in my eyes. I know you're scared. I got you covered. I know you're, you're worried about going through the minefield. I got your hand. I'll lead you through it. Don't worry about it. You're good to go. And that's basically what God's telling us in the 23rd Psalm. David's saying, Lord, let me sing my song to you. I would love to know. I would really love to know how David expressed his songs, his psalms to God, because they are songs. So there's a, a real more than real good chance a likelihood exists that he probably in some form or fashion sang to the Lord. Absolutely. Or even at sunrise, I see him standing in sunrise reciting them to him. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. First of all, the the Psalms are among my favorite books because it speaks to the music in me. You know, Um, they are beautiful. Yeah. And I'll tell you, there's another book often overlooked by scholars. One of my favorite books, Pete, the book of Ecclesiastes. It's a very small book, but it talks about a time and a season and a purpose for everything under God's son. Right. And if you look at some of the simple beauty in Ecclesiastes, sometimes you don't need to read any more than that. It's just beautiful. Old Testament book. Is it not? Oh, absolutely. Yes, sir. And is that the one that the birds took their song? There is a time turn and turn. And that's the one. Yeah. That is exactly what they did. Verbatim, too, word for word. Yeah. They never changed the word of it. In fact, the people didn't realize at the time, but this hippie group back in 1967 was singing straight from the Bible. Yeah. Yeah, and didn't realize it. I wonder how many people realized it afterwards that, hey, that sounds awful familiar. <laughs> well, right. Well, I'm sure they did at the time. I'm sure that matter of fact, I'll bet you Rolling Stone did a piece on it. I would bet. You yeah. Know what I mean, because the controversy in that is absolutely wonderful. Yeah. And uh, uh, I'm sure it did. I'd, actually, it'd be kind of curious to find out. Um, my friend Sean has worked with uh, the guy from the birds. I, I want to say his name is Roger something. Not Roger McEwen, but something like that. I'll have to ask him because my friend Sean, who's helping me produce some things, and he did Buddy Holly. He's also a very solid born again. Right. We we have some lovely conversations. And I'll ask him if the birds felt any more of a little bit of a ministry because it's kind of hard to drop that song on a crowd. Where do you go with it after that? Whole lot of shaking going on? I mean, you know. Uh, how are you going to top that song? Well, that would be yeah. how they close their show, I'm Pete, sure. The, the guy you're talking about, his name is Roger McGuinn. Yeah, okay, there we go. Because I'm looking at the, uh, I'm looking at the cast of the birds now, the uh, the members of the band. Right. Um, I'll tell you what, a lot of notable musicians 
uh, traveled in and out of that band. Um, Michael Clark, Gene Clark, David Crosby, Graham Parsons. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're all members of the Birds. Clarence White, uh, Gene Parsons, Kevin Kelly, John York, and uh, John Guerin. I want oh my goodness, is that before or after Woodstock, do you know? Um, after Woodstock. Because Crosby, it sounded like Crosby, Sills, and Nash, part of it came out of there. Yeah. But 64 they, to 73 was uh, Roger McGuinn, Graham Parsons, David Crosby, and Gene Clark. Okay. And then, uh, 70, let's see, 73 to 89. Um, no, I'm sorry. 89 to 91, it was Kevin Kelly, John York, and John Guerin. Uh, G-U-E-R-I-N. I guess that's how you say it. Guerin. Um, but yeah, there were, uh, there were a couple of incarnations. Uh, David Crosby played rhythm guitar. Yes. For the birds, interestingly enough, of Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, who I absolutely love. Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting you mentioned Woodstock. I actually watched that the other day. Um, I watched a particular performance the other day. Janis Joplin. I was watching Janis Joplin's performance. You know, watching Janis was a lot like going to church. She made her performances almost like a religious experience. Um, and I think that she was inside a, a deeply uh, devout girl. I think, however, the music business ruined her. Probably confused her. Let's say confused her. It, well, it sure did. Boy, boy, did it. Yeah. Because I tell you what. Uh, if you ever sat down and listened to her talk, she's a really smart lady. Yeah. Watch some of the interviews that she did with the Dick Cavett, for example. He's wonderful, isn't he? Are you? I'm catching Amazing. him on TV. I love those old interviews. Oh, God, sure. Very good. Yeah, I spent the last couple of days watching, and I've been uh, watching a lot of Janice lately. Because, uh, yeah, she really is. I thought to myself, boy, had she lived... Boy, what she could have did for, like, the generation now, man. Wow. You know? You wonder what uh, what God would have used somebody like that for, you know? Yes, you or do. Or how I God would have used Elvis. Passion, misdirected passion. There was a, you know, it's funny. Billy Graham talks about there's a hole in your heart that we call loneliness. And the, one, the wonderful theologians say that the hole in your heart is meant for God. And when you fill that up with him, you won't be lonely. Yeah. People that don't, and they turn to other things, whether it's, it could be sex, it could be drugs, it could be rock and roll, it could be fun, living for the moment. And you feel, a lot of times you feel like, I got to fill this moment with as much as possible. Yeah. Well, I understand that drive, but as much as possible isn't always what you go to. Sure. You know, the drugs, what you're doing, you're going for a rush. You're going for a physical buzz. Oh, this is lifting me out of the normal. Well, there's other ways to do that. And it's sad that that generation was tempted to go there. And it was tempted. This is really sad, but it was tempted by our rock and roll stars. Uh, So much was made of playing with drugs. Oh, the Beatles are doing this. This must be cool. Uh, That was one of the things that drove Elvis nuts that he... And God bless them all, of all the people that got trapped with. But Elvis was not a street drug guy. Right, so sure. It's a little different than the kids that were, you know, on the street. Everybody's buying grass from each other and mescaline, yeah. doing whatever they could. Elvis was not in, out in the corner buying cocaine and, and grass. Yeah. He got addicted to what he thought were physical sensations. And it's, what's even sadder is he got introduced to it while he was in the Army. He was, you know, yeah. he used to play war games and you would take drugs to stay awake so you couldn't get captured. Yeah, absolutely. Then he, then he had it. Well, when he came down, well, you got to take this to go to sleep. End of story. He got, yeah. he got mad. Take one to go to sleep. Take one to wake up. Take yep. one to keep you through the day. Yep. You know? And yeah, it, well, and, uh, you know, 
Elvis is to blame for that, and so is his doctor, and so are the people who allowed it and, and, yes. they, and who enabled him. Yeah. It, you know, it, there it, are, unfortunately, <laughs> there are no innocent uh, in that scenario. None, none were innocent. They were all culpable. Yep. Yeah, Pete, correct. what are we uh, what what are we going to talk about next week? Because the next week is Thanksgiving, and well, um, right, well, come on, look at what you just said. Yeah, let's talk about Thanksgiving. Beautiful. I mean, you, you and hey, I, well, I mean, could shut enough. us up. <laughs> have to shut us up on that one. Come on, I'm telling you, right? Oh my goodness, the dreams that we had, the dreams we had as little boys that we got to live out. Let's talk yeah. about that. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, for Pete Wilcox, I'm Angelo DeCipio. Till we see you next Tuesday, have a good week. Enjoy. Be safe out there. And uh, and remember, lift your glass and have some coffee with the king. God Take bless care, you. Take care, everybody. God bless you guys. Good night.